Anybody here ready for the quarter to end? Anybody ready to be freed from classes? Projects? Papers? Presentations? Examinations? Oh, gosh. (laughs) What a glorious thing this end of the quarter truly is. I'm pretty excited about summer quarter to begin. I like summer quarter because it gives me a change of pace. Did you know there are administrative tasks that I have to do? Yes, and I get to do a lot of them over the summer, the things I ought to have done earlier. (laughs) None of you understand that ought to have done earlier, do you? No, okay. Yeah. I have decided I am going to have the best summer with Jesus I have ever had. I am going for the record this summer, way up there. What kind of summer are you going to have? What plans are you making to make sure that Jesus is right there in the center of your life all summer long? Hey, can I ask you a question to start off the message with tonight? Do I have your permission? Okay, good. Um, I'm going to ask another one. Who are you? The question is, who are you? It's, it's important. Uh, do you remember when you were a little kid, maybe like uh, when you were a little kid, like when I was a little kid, I remember thinking, who am I? I remember thinking for a great deal of my life, I must just be a little set of eyeballs wandering around the house because I could never see into the bathroom mirror. I didn't know I really existed. I remember thinking, I'm short. Other people can see into the bathroom mirror. I remember that moment when I saw into the bathroom mirror and I said, that's what I look like. (laughs) Then there were other ways that I defined myself. Every one of my elementary school teachers said that I was shy. And I was. Why would you even look at me or talk to me? That was offensive to me when I was a kid. I just wanted to run away and hide most of the time. There's another way I define myself. One, one was like uh, my dad was continually doing flashcards for my sister in mathematics, like addition, uh, subtraction, multiplication, and division, and I would always get the answer before she did. So I thought to myself, world's greatest mathematician. No, I actually just thought, finally, I'm better than my sister at one thing. Okay, then seventh grade happened. Probably the worst moment of my life up till then. I had been on the baseball team forever. Baseball was my life. And some new, like, must have been some student teacher or somebody uh, was in charge of the seventh grade team, and he cut me. So I thought to myself, I'm a baseball reject. really hurt. In high school, I added a new definition. I thought to myself, Michael, you're crazy. Because everybody said that because I joined the cross-country team and I liked it. (laughs) We would run for hours and we would smile. It was the best thing. If you haven't had the runner's high, whoo. 
better than drugs. Um, <laughs> you just feel amazing. Okay. When I was 17 years old, uh, right, um, when was it? At the end of the, my junior year in high school, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. I let him be uh, my Lord, my Savior, my boss. I was going to just follow him. And things started changing the way I defined myself. I began to think about myself the way that God thinks about me. That was something that I had never considered before. Have you? Have you ever wondered how does God think about me? You know, not my peers, not my parents, not my whatevers. How does God define me? That was new. And it was really good because I found out he actually loved me, cared about me, and thought I was worth the shed blood of his son, Jesus. That really rocked me that I was worth that much to somebody. Hey, hopefully... Your definition of yourself has also grown over the years, and maybe yours, I hope, wasn't as negative (laughs) as mine was about myself all those growing up years. Do you define yourself as a follower of Christ? I hope you do. Do you define yourself as a member of Chi Alpha? You're here tonight. I think you should. (laughs) How about a member of your core? Yeah, you should probably say, yeah, I am. That's part of who I am. I'm part of the people of God. Even if you're just still on your way investigating that, you are a part of what God is doing through this ministry. Tonight, we have an opportunity to reaffirm three things about ourselves that we learn as we celebrate communion. Our tradition is to celebrate the Lord's Supper as a way to give uh, meaningful closure to the end of our school year, to really try to sum it all up in Jesus Christ and what he did by dying on the cross, being buried and rising from the dead and promising he would return. That is a meaningful moment in human history, and it really brings closure to our year and, and helps define who we are as people. Do you want to know what the Lord's Supper teaches you about yourself? Then pay attention tonight. We've got at least three things. Turn with me in your Bible to the book of Matthew 26. If you haven't noticed, we've been going through the book of Matthew this quarter. We're going to be starting in verse 17 and read through 30. Matthew has gone to great pains to teach us many things, one of which is who Jesus is, and two of which is what the kingdom of heaven is all about, and three of which to teach us how to live within the kingdom of heaven. Have you been learning some of that this quarter? I hope so. So follow along in Matthew 26, 17 through 30. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him. The teacher says, My appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. 
Sounds like Jesus had prearranged that. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. It'd be sort of like you or I preparing Thanksgiving meal. It's big celebration of the year. We're the ones making the arrangements for the setting of the table and the, the room and all the food. And that's what the disciples did. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12 because that's what they did back then. They had kind of lowish tables and people just kind of reclined or lay down by the table. Interesting, huh? Yeah, that's what some of you do in your residence hall um, beds. You bring the pizza back and eat it there. Okay. um, When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table of the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. Now, that probably caught everybody off guard. They Probably all gagged. What? Somebody's going to betray you? One of us? Your twelve closest companions? They were very sad. They began to say to him one after another, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. Uh, dipping the hand into the bowl signifies they, they would take some, some bread and dip it into some you know, sauce or something. Not ranch. They had not invented ranch yet. <laughs> Which... Which is really sad for Jesus. He was hoping he could come now when they had ranch. But the father sent him then. Because everybody knows ranch is the best thing ever. Okay, so they were sad. Surely you don't mean I. And he says, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. Jesus also uh, called himself the son of man, as you'll see in the next sentence. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus said, You have said so. Which is a Bible way, a way back then of saying, Yeah, sure, you betcha. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. That's how they passed out the bread back then. No slicing, just breaking and passing. Okay? Couldn't go to the store and buy a loaf of bread all sliced. You could buy or bake your own loaf of bread, and then you just tore off bits and gave it to each other. And that's what he did. He gave it to his disciples, and he said something really different. He said, this is my body. And they're just kind of looking at each other. What did he say? Hmm. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, there was traditional prayers that they prayed during this Passover meal. When he took the cup and he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, this is my blood. And they're all just looking. What did he say? So this is really different what's happening here. The Passover feast had an order and a way of doing things. 
You ate things in order. You prayed certain prayers, read certain scripture. There was symbolism. It was a very rich tradition. And he is doing something quite different. So he has gotten his disciples' attention. And hopefully he's gotten our attention as he reminds us of the meaning of the Lord's Supper and how it defines who you and I are. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine uh, from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Did you know that the Lord's Supper used to have a different name? Yeah, the Passover feast. What was Passover? It was celebrating that time in uh, the, the people of God's previous history a long time ago where, remember, they were slaves in it- Egypt. And God did amazing miracles and, uh, you know, did plagues on the Egyptian people, uh, made them predisposed to give them all their wealth and say, get out of here. And then he, he divided the Red Sea that crossed through on dry land. The pursuing Egyptian army was drowned. It was an amazing set of miracles. And through that, the, the people of God kind of, you could say, were uh, born or inaugurated or became this amazing deal. And the Passover was the celebration of that moment of deliverance from slavery to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and to all the Egyptians and to the army that was pursuing them to kill them. So they've been celebrating this great moment, this great rescue operation for a lot of years, hundreds of years. And then Jesus takes the the moment with his disciples right before his crucifixion and breathes deeper meaning into the Passover traditions than they'd ever had before. What is going on in our story in Matthew 26? Jesus is taking the Old Testament tradition and he says, now I'm showing you that everything that that meal has been trying to get you to remember is coming true in me. I am the Passover lamb. I'm the the lamb that you kill and smear the blood. I'm the lamb that you feast upon and are nourished. I am the sacrifice that saves you. And, And the disciples, you know, are just doing this double take. You know, bread is your body. The cup is your blood. What? They didn't get it until after he was crucified, buried, and resurrected. Because nobody had ever been resurrected. A lot of things start dawning on them when Jesus comes back from the dead. And he starts saying, remember what I taught you? I am this final sacrifice for sin once for all. Hmm. So... It could take us hours to unpack all the tradition of the Passover meal, but we aren't going to. So how could I sum it up? Uh, Jesus taught his first disciples that he himself is the meaning of the Passover meal. He is the one who leads and delivers and rescues for 
forever, all of humanity, not just the Jewish people out of Egypt, but all of humanity are now rescued from Satan and from sin. The power of Satan is now broken. The power of sin is now broken from anybody who will believe in Jesus and follow him as disciple. A much bigger rescue than the rescue operation celebrated in the Passover. That is what Jesus is trying to get across. The whole world had been in slavery to sin and to Satan who leads us into sin, which is just a fancy way of saying leads us into idolatry, to worship anything but the one true God. Satan has been doing that from the very first moments. And Jesus came, says that influence of Satan now can be cut off for those who will follow me. You'll have the ability to resist temptation. You'll have the ability to turn away from idolatry and worship the one true God again. Is that a two thumbs up or what? So, like I said, when I was 17, I gave control of my life to Jesus. I decided as an act of my will to follow him. Jesus, in that moment, (coughs) rescued me from the power and influence of Satan and from the power and influence of sin in my life. And I joined the community of the rescued. And those of you who have chosen to follow Jesus are now in that community of the rescued, aren't you? And we are learning to walk free of Satan and sin. This is what communion, the Lord's Supper, is celebrating. So let's go through the story of the Lord's Supper again, uh, this time, and see the three things it teaches us about who we are. Verses 17 through 19. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to make preparations for you to eat the Passover? He replied, go into the city. Certain man, tell him, teacher says, my point of time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. So what do the disciples do? They did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. As Jesus' modern disciples, we gain our identity and our definitions from how he uh, defined the first disciples because we're now his modern ones. So how did uh, Jesus define those first disciples? From this few verses, something sticks out to me. Who were the disciples? They were the ones that served Jesus by doing whatever he said. So who are you? Who am I? We are the ones who serve Jesus by doing whatever he says. So now you know who you are. You're a disciple just like the first ones. And your whole life is serving Jesus. Whatever he wishes, we get to do it for him. Is that fantastic or what? He is the king of the kingdom of heaven that we've been learning about. And now we are the personal servants of the king. Ooh la la. That is a great job. They serve Jesus. We serve Jesus. That's who we are. Jesus called Peter and Andrew and James and John to follow him, and they did. Jesus called you to follow him, and you did. They followed his example. Uh, He was tempted in the wilderness by Satan and and sin. But what did he do? He said no by quoting scripture. 
And now he gives you the power and I the power, just like he did his first disciples, to say no to sin. We can quote scripture and say, I don't have to do that. The traveling team came and they reminded us that Jesus has the entire planet on his heart, not just the Jewish people. So now we can have the entire planet in our heart, too, and serve him that way. we got a bunch of people going to Jordan from here. And they're going to check out, you know, should I be a foreign missionary? That is so amazing. And the rest of us who are being sent out from here, not to Jordan, but to Puyallup and Tacoma and Olympia and Everett and other places. My mind just went blank on the geography of our state. We are missionaries in the very same way wherever we go. Would you hear me very clearly? There is a weird thing in the church that says, like, pastors are pretty cool and spiritual. You know, church leaders are pretty cool and spiritual. Missionaries are really super cool and spiritual. Guess what? That is just dead wrong. The Bible teaches us that each one of us is pretty dang, oh, pretty dang dang, special. And that's the first time I said dang dang ever. <laughs> we are all missionaries to whatever occupation he calls us. We get to be the light there. Would you please not think anybody is special except yourself? And everybody else. I think you know what I mean. Okay. Each one of us has a person-sized piece in God's global plan that just fits you. Okay? Who are we? We are the people who serve Jesus by doing what he says. You are part of the we, the people of God who serve Jesus and do what he bids us to do. Okay, verses 20 through 25. Did you get that point? You know who you are? Did you write that down? Mm -hmm. You're going to get a tattoo so you don't forget. Okay, fine. Um, 20 through 25. When the evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12. While they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad. He began to say to one after the other, to say to him one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. Jesus replied, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it was written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him uh, to have not been born. Um, then G- Judas, the one who would betray him, said, uh, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus said, Yep, I do. Who are we? The first disciples did not betray Jesus except that one guy named Judas. Every other disciple was faithful to the Lord and served him by doing whatever he told them to do. And that's why those of us in this room are also disciples of Jesus now. Capiche? They were faithful. People believed Those people were faithful. They told others they believed. They were faithful, told others they believed, and it came 2,000 years later to where we heard about Jesus and we have believed. 
We are not those who betray Jesus. We are the faithful. The fact that you are here tonight means you are the faithful. The fact that you go to core means you are the faithful. The fact that you show up at church every Sunday means you are the faithful. The fact that you go to your one-on-one means you're faithful. The fact that you come to pre-prayer means you're faithful. The fact that you go to retreats means you're faithful. The fact that you go to classes means you're faithful. The fact that you pray for one another all the time means you're faithful. That you do things together means you're faithful. The fact that you tell others what you're learning about Jesus means you're faithful. Who are you? You are part of the we who is faithful to Jesus. You are one who serves the Lord by doing whatever he says, and you are one of the faithful. You don't betray Jesus. Verses 26 through 30. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. When he had given thanks, the appropriate prayer that needed to be prayed, he prayed it. He broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, again, he prayed the appropriate prayer that needed to be prayed at that moment, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of this vine uh, from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in the Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Who are we? Just like the first disciples worship Jesus by receiving that forgiveness, by remembering he's coming back, seeking his kingdom, by singing songs to him. We are those who do the same today. We are those who worship Jesus. Who are you? You are the ones who serve Jesus by doing whatever he says. You are the people who are faithful to him. You do not betray him. And you are the people who worship Jesus. You are so grateful that you have forgiveness of your sins. The power of Satan's broken. So you worship him. You are the people that worship him faithfully. You even sing songs to him. Even when you're like me and you can't sing worth a darn. You still sing to him because he's worth it. He is worth everything. You give your passion to him. Your very heartstrings are plucked by him. He is what moves you. You worship him. In conclusion, who are you? Who are we? Well, just like when I gave my life to Jesus, I started learning my New identity was based on the Bible. So, too, all of us in Chi Alpha are reminded of who we are from this story, this story from the Bible, because now the truth of the Bible tells us who we are. We're not a failed seventh grade baseball player. We are a dearly loved child of God who has been rescued by Jesus. And now we serve him by doing what he tells us to do. Now we are faithful to him day in and day out, all the days of our life. We don't betray him. We are those who worship him. Did you get it? You remember the three things? 
That's who we are. And that's who you are. Do not let anything shake you from these realities because they are the word of God. And they are true. Truer than anything is true. Tonight we're going to celebrate this. We're going to have the worship team come down now, but don't get distracted by them or you'll miss the instructions for how we're going to do the Lord's Supper. The worship team is going to lead us uh, in musical worship like they do every Tuesday night. When you're ready, sooner rather than later you'll be ready, (laughs) you will go in a circle this way. Notice my finger. This way. Around the room and get bread and the cup and go back to where you started. <laughs> this way. Okay? That'll help with the traffic flow. I believe the g- gluten-free elements, I was told, are in that corner. If you're gluten-free, point to that corner. That's your corner. <laughs> okay. Uno mas. When you're ready, sooner rather than later, don't wait till the fifth song is what I'm saying. Get up, go that way, which I believe is clockwise. Get the bread, get the cup, go back, be reseated. Or you can, at any time you're ready, you could be in the aisles, just don't block them. You can be down front. You can be in the back. Just don't block it for the traffic flow. Or you go back to your seat. When you're ready, just take the bread. Just take the cup. And would you think about who you are? Would you think about who you are because of what Jesus did for you? The greatest rescue mission ever. Through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. The last page says I'm supposed to pray. So here goes. Jesus, we thank you for your love for us tonight. We thank you that you have been the great rescuer, that we will never have to be in bondage and slavery again to Satan or sin. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for our new identity Please remind us over and over again that we are those who serve you by doing whatever you tell us to do. We are the faithful ones. Remind us. We have been so faithful. It is the pattern of our life. We are not those who betray you. And Remind us, God. We are those who worship you. A little extra tidbit, Lord, to remind us all that we have a person-sized peace in your plan. All of us are your missionaries. Receive our worship tonight. Amen.